Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Rams podcast. As always, I'm Justin Michael. It is Friday, September 1st. We are one day from game day. Football is so close, we can taste it. Uh, Thank you to everybody who tuned in to DNVR Rams Live. Again, that's going to be every Thursday around 9.30 a.m. We did have to push back to 9.45 due to some technical difficulties this week. But it's been awesome to see the support that that show is getting. It's been pretty fun to incorporate more elements of video into our coverage, and that will include live post-game shows every week. We did that a couple of years ago. We're going to bring it back. We're looking forward to that uh, from the DMVR Sports YouTube page. I'll always upload the audio directly into the podcast feed, so if you're an audio-only listener, don't worry. I've got you covered there as well. But yeah, make sure you tune into that post-game show. I'm assuming it'll be roughly an hour-ish after the game ends, depending on how quickly the post-game interview process goes. You can just follow me on Twitter at Justin T. Michael or at DNVR underscore Rams. We'll have updates. And again, I'll, I'll always post that audio in your feed or you can go back and watch it on YouTube if you happen to miss it. But we'd love to have many of you tuned in live. Uh, I'll respond to your questions, comments, reactions, all of that in the final segment. Should be a blast. On this podcast, though, I was fortunate to be joined by my good friend, Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan, hopped on nice and early with me to react to the Friday morning news of Cal and Stanford and SMU joining the ACC. I really don't understand so many of these moves, but we, you know, just kind of dove into what this potentially means in the future for the Mountain West, for CSU, all of that fun stuff. Do they potentially you know, try and expand and and take a couple of these AAC teams on top of Oregon State and Washington State? Do you really lean into hoops and go after Gonzaga and St. Mary's? All kinds of possibilities. We also got into some preseason predictions. He recently posted his bold predictions for the season. A lot of his were right in line with mine, so it was fun to go back and forth, kind of picked his brain a little bit. Before we get to that interview, I want to shout out our partners, Saturday Neon, a local company started by two friends, former college roommates, and they make officially licensed collegiate logo LED neon signs. They're a Denver-based company, and whether you're a diehard fan or a casual supporter, you're going to love the way these signs light up in CSU colors. Saturday Neon signs are made by high-quality materials backed by a two-year warranty. They're shipped with everything you need to mount, power, and dim, so every sign is easy to install and operate. They're officially licensed for 19 select schools, including CSU, CU, Arizona, Bama, Wisconsin, so many others. And these things are great for offices, man caves, dorm rooms, 
wherever they'd make a great gift. Go to SaturdayNeon.com, use the code DNVR for 10% off your order today. Free shipping for orders over $200. I also want to shout out Circa Resort and Casino, Vegas's first ever adult-only casino resort. It's the world's largest sportsbook, a three-story stadium style. It takes 10 people to operate the 78 million pixel screen. They've got awesome food at Victory Burger and Wings. There's also Project Barbecue, both spots slap. Tons of VIP seating, including the Dugout Club, Legends Club, Champions Club, Circa Club, Upper Circa Club, Lower North and South Stands. The casino is a 7,000-square-foot casino with two levels. They have over 1,300 slots, 48 table games with dancing dealers. It really is the spot, and that's not even getting into Stadium Swim, which is open 365 days a year. They've got six pools, two spas, and 15,000 feet of wet space. There's a 143-by-40-foot LED screen so you can watch sports while you're chilling in the pool. I mean, it, it just doesn't get any better than that. If you're heading out to Vegas for a Broncos-Raiders game or the CSU-UNLV matchup, book your stay at Circa Sportsbook and Casino using the code DNVR20 for 20% off. Also, the Circus Sportsbook app is available for download in Colorado. Download the app at circusports.com. Circus Sports bets can be only made while physically located in the state of Colorado. Must be 21 or older. All rights reserved. Circus Sports Colorado encourages you to gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call or text 1-800-GAMBLER or visit problemgamblingcolorado.org. All right, joining me on the DMVR Rams podcast, we've got a frequent guest of the show, Kevin Lytle of the Fort Collins, Coloradoan lead beat man on the CSU beat, uh, the best beat reporter in the game for my money. Thanks for hopping on with us, man, to talk all this news. I mean, I, I guess there's a part of me that's kind of happy that it's somewhat resolved. Like, we have to find out what happens with Oregon State and Washington State. But what was your reaction when you saw the news that the ACC was adding Stanford, Cal, and SMU. Yeah, it's funny. It's I mean, it's been trending this way, what, for a week or so? Yeah. Um, it seemed like the, the national reports were that someone had obviously swung. You know, the last, you know, a couple weeks ago, it was, well, they were one boat shy. And so you kind of figured when, when all that news started coming out a few days ago that someone had flipped and that's all they needed. So in a way, like we knew it was coming, but still every time this come, you know, this stuff happens, like what, what is going on? Like what, you know, pardon the language, but what in the literal hell are we doing here? Um, every time this stuff happens, it's, it's just nonsensical now. Um, I'm, you know, we're seeing stuff now that they're talking about the Olympic sports for the ACC doing like a hub in Dallas for competition. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know. It's just crazy, but I guess we saw it coming. We knew it was coming. And from the, you know, kind of CSU Mountain West perspective, it's what we need. You know, obviously everyone's been in talks about potential stuff, but really nothing could happen until Cal and Stanford decided what they were doing. You know, the only way the pack rebuild would happen is if those two stayed yeah. now, you know, Oregon state, Washington state, you know, have to figure out their home. So on that side, I guess I'm kind of, not sure happy is the right word, but at least we can get to the next move because we knew Cal Stanford had to figure out what was next or the Mountain West to figure out what was next. I just don't really understand the appeal from Stanford and Cal's perspective, especially considering all the reports are that Clemson, Florida State, and North Carolina, mm -hmm. your leading members are very much against this expansion. And 
maybe the other teams feel those schools are going to dip at some point anyways. And so they just want the bodies. That's really the only way I can make it make sense in my mind. But to travel across the country, even if you're going to Dallas, to essentially receive Mountain West money in, in terms of the shares they're getting, what's the appeal of that? Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Yeah, it feels a little bit of a, you know, we had to do something and we didn't really have any other options. So we did this. Um, I think it was either Pat Forty or maybe Stuart Mando had an interesting column about, you know, obviously there's a lot of talk of the Olympic sports, how terrible the travel is, you know, with all these changes, which is very true, obviously. But it's kind of the the other point of competition of, okay, Stanford especially, but even Cal are, you know, pretty exceptional in Olympic sports. Would that sustain if they were, you know, no offense to Mountain West, but if they were in the Mountain West, you know, would, you know, to use the local example, would Sophie Smith go play soccer at Stanford if they were in the Mountain West? Or would those two, you know, all, all of a sudden fall off if they didn't have elite competition in Olympic sports? So I think there's is some merit there. You know, is that enough to balance out the ludicrousy of everything else? Uh, you know, we'll see, I guess. But but yeah, it's it's just wild. I yeah. Every time we talk, every time I think you or I write about any of this. You know, you kind of say, well, logically, except for there's no such as such thing as logic. Nothing makes sense anymore. So there's no no such thing as unrealistic possibilities. This obviously doesn't change much in terms of the landscape of the 2023 season. All these teams will be in their current leagues. Moving forward, what does your gut say? I mean, the American obviously now losing SMU. They were already wounded after losing you know, Cincinnati and UCF and some of these other members that jumped to the Big 12. Logically, I, I don't see why Oregon State and Washington State would consider them over the Mountain West. But again, nothing seems to make that much sense these days. So, you know, maybe ESPN could come behind the scenes and swing some things. But it, my gut says that this is a good thing, at least for the Mountain West moving forward, because it feels like you're going to you're going to add them in, in some capacity. Yeah, that that's what I think as well. Um, you know, I do think we're going to have, you know, we may not see it play out publicly, of course, but a bit of a Mountain West American power play now because those, you know, I think pretty clearly those are the two premier group of five programs, you know, just to keep using those terms for right now, uh, or, or conferences, I should say. And so you want to become next best, you know, fifth best now that the pack is dead. Not truly a you know power five, but fifth best. Um, so the American is interesting to me. Of yeah, their TV deals a little better right now, um, but like you said, they've lost a lot of members. Now that does mean they have an infusion of cash from those buyouts. Could they use that cash to lure some teams or programs? You know, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know the the rumblings you seem to hear from Oregon State, Washington State is that they would prefer to kind of stay regional and the Mount West is as regional as they can stay. Um, so yeah, I think the Mount West needs to make a power play here, make sure to get them. Uh, Gloria Navarez has you know made it clear that, you know, they're welcoming time. And also, you know, she, she has pre openly said that she's talked to the TV uh, partners and it sounds like they would renegotiate. I think it's useful for the Mount West and those potential teams that the TV deal is up in two years 
So you yeah, can it's maybe way sooner. I, I would feel like yeah, you have more it, leverage there. It's almost like, you know how athletes sometimes will sign like a bridge deal, you know, a two-year deal, sort of a prove-it deal to try and land the next big one? You could almost be doing that. Like, hey, you know, we have a life raft for you now where, yeah, it's not the money you expected, you know, under your previous home, but it's money. And in a couple of years, we can, you know, really boost, especially if we can further boost our league. So let's say the Mountain West gets the Pacific Northwest. Would you try and poach from the American, you know, go into Texas, you know, maybe a UTSA or a North Texas, maybe a Memphis. And then, you know, the one that, you know, you and I have talked about offline. I think a lot of fans have talked about. I've heard rumblings. You know, Gloria Navarez has a great relationship with Gonzaga. She gave Gonzaga a sweetheart deal in in the WCC. Could you go lure them and and pair them with St. Mary's and really create the premier Western League? Um, So there are a lot of options on the table. Uh, Like I say, I'm sure the American is is having those same type of debates as well. But I think it's not guaranteed, but I think the Mountain West is in a pretty solid position of power right now. And Gloria Navarez has already met with those P&W schools. She'll be at Canvas Stadium to (laughs) surely talk with Washington State uh, Saturday. So it'll be interesting. But it's going to move pretty quickly. I think we're going to have a resolution here not too long. Does your gut say that Gonzaga would be more open to coming to the Mountain West with the additions of Washington State and Oregon State and just given the, the evolving landscape? I'm not sure Washington State, Oregon State matter to them that much you know maybe from the non-basketball sports it would help of yeah you you have more you know kind of partners in the area i feel like they maybe would be more open you know from the basketball side now you know because there was that talk a few years ago at that time it was well you know they got the sweetheart tv deal they keep getting number one seeds you know what's the incentive but now I feel like it's, well, they still haven't won a national championship. You know, the pressure to maybe up their level, you know, is probably there. And the Mountain West, you know, that would be a nice basketball league. You know, I know there's been talk about, you know, the Big 12 flirting. But in some ways, I think the Mountain West would be better for Gonzaga. You could get, you know, more TV money. You'd be in a good league. It'd certainly be better than the, the you know, where they're at now but they'd still be the dominant force and be expected to win it. Um, So I think it'd be almost a nice middle ground of you'd still be Gonzaga and you'd still kind of, you know, run the show, uh, but your competition level would be upped to in theory, make you more prepared for March. So again, that's, you know, sort of the, the dream, but I think it's maybe a little bit more realistic, a dream that was a couple of years ago. I'm with you as far as the Mountain West being the move in terms of if they were to jump ship from the WCC, why go through the gauntlet that is the Big 12? I felt the same way about Arizona basketball. Like, you're going to win the Pac-12 most years. You're going to get a one or two seed. I mean, you may still get a one or a two seed finishing fourth in the Big 12 now just because that basketball is so strong. But I don't know. I'm very curious about a lot of that with this realignment and some of these teams going into these massive leagues. Like, you could have a great team and, you know, go eight and four in football or something just because you have to play yeah. all these juggernauts. Yeah. And from the media rights standpoint, I mean, if again, in this sort of dream scenario, you know, the Mountain West would be primed as, you know, the premier Western, you know, division yeah, or conference. And so, yeah, again, that league wouldn't get even, you know, the money that the Big 12 is getting. 
But you tell me Fox, CBS, you know, maybe Apple TV would want to come back in, you know, as one of the, you know, partial rights holders, um, you know, with a Gonzaga basketball on board. Um, that that seems like that could be attractive to me. So, again, these are all conversations. You know, we're not the first people to to discuss this possibility. And, you know, people with some actual power certainly have as well. Um, but that to me is the dream scenario for the Mountain West. You get the Northwest, you you know, maybe dip into the American if that's possible. But even if not, if you get the Northwest and then take the home run swing at, at Gonzaga, um, that's pretty good. And, you know, I know there are some CSU fans that are bummed about, you know, the lack of, you know, getting into a, a true power five. But if you can actually stay in a pretty local conference, but boost it a bit, I kind of like that. I mean, I've been uncomfortable the whole time about, okay, yeah, CSU financially would be good to get into, you know, a whatever league, but do you really want to, you know, lose Wyoming and things like that? So if you can kind of get a smidge of both, it's not the worst outcome. Yeah, maybe not the best, but I think it's shaping up right now to be a pretty decent opportunity for Mountain West. I totally agree. I mean, if you add Oregon State and Washington State, just those, at a minimum, you up your football product. And it helps improve the basketball product to an extent. If you add Gonzaga into the mix and, you know, like St. Mary's or, I don't know, like you said, Memphis or some of those AAC schools, it doesn't seem impossible that you could double your TV deal or at least go close to it, especially if if Gonzaga is in that picture. But I don't know. I I guess I'm, I'm surprised to see so many fans eager at the opportunity of, like you said, potentially losing all these rivalries and all these things that make it great about college football. And frankly, I'm skeptical that all of this is sustainable long-term anyways, you know, like it wouldn't shock me if this is a bubble that ends up bursting and we end up going right back to a model that looks somewhat regional in the future anyways. Yeah. I'm with you. I forget who it was, but one of the prominent national reporters a couple weeks ago, I think is after the pack, you know, basically imploded saying, you know, Mark my words, I don't know how many years it's going to be, but at some point, people are going to go, why are we doing that? Like, why don't we go regional? And that's where I think the football breaking off from everyone else makes sense. Because, you know, you can have these conferences in football. Like, yeah, it's silly in some ways, but it really doesn't matter that much. You can travel cross-country for one game a week. It's not that big a deal. Um, But for the other sports, it makes no sense. So, you know, is there going to be a a place down the road where – Football has its own weird mega conferences, but everyone else circles back to kind of the traditional regional conferences, uh, you know, for basketball and Olympic sports. That makes a lot of sense to me. And, you know, again, from the Mountain West side, like we've seen the MAC basically doesn't change. It's still its little region, you know, kind of the little engine that could. Could the Mountain West, you know, kind of do that just on a slightly broader scale of, you know, lean heavily into hey, we're still a regional conference, but a really good one. Um, that might not be a bad play right now with how disenfranchised some people are becoming uh, with what's happening in college sports. You know, Mountain West could yeah. sort of brand itself as, hey, we're still regional, but we compete at a really high level. And it wouldn't wouldn't be wrong. I'm right there with you. And like you said, you still have the viability of owning that late night TV window with competition that's worth watching. You know, the Mac is fun for the college football diehards, but I think, you know, an Oregon State-Boise State matchup, you know, uh, on 8 p.m. on FS1 or Fox or whatever it would be, would be something that most casual college football fans would be like, yeah, I'm I'm down for that. Hey, a CSU-Washington State game, um, you know, could and should be pretty good. 
Um, I think, I think there's, there's some quality there. And again, like we were saying, if that home run swing happens, like just imagine, you think TV would want, you know, Gonzaga at San Diego state in basketball in late February. Like, yeah, I, th- I think CBS would put that on TV. Like, yeah, you potentially um, you know, get it, that game three times a year between the Mountain West tournament and conference play. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we've obviously seen like CSU and St. Mary's have had a couple really good basketball games over the past couple of years. You know, again, it's coming this year. Um, those schools fit really well in a lot of ways. So, like, if if again, there's a home run swing. It's all speculation from, too. Yeah, but but it's worth a shot. And again, it's more logical than a lot of what has happened. Just going the other way, because this thing has been dumb, if Oregon State and Washington State choose the American, obviously some Mountain West schools were exploring that option in the past. At that point, is that enough, do you think, to get you know some of these schools to go back to the table and potentially you know kill the Mountain West? I feel like if... Yeah, I feel like the American would probably be trying to go all in. Um, of not just get those two, but kill the Mountain West. Because uh, you figure if they're adding, let's say the American does get the P&W schools from the pack, they're going to want more in the West. Um, so San Diego State would be in that mix, you know, potentially a Boise, potentially a CSU. You know, UNLV is always the wild card right now because of the Vegas market. So yeah, I, I feel like the American will probably just swing big and say, hey, let's let's skim off the top of the mountain west and and the pnw and create again our mega you know g5 leader if you will so if the american wins that battle it would probably behoove csu to be part of that even though i um, i wouldn't like a lot of it but just financially if the mountain west gets picked apart a bit there you wouldn't want to be in the leftover group I agree. It would just kill me. And like, the, there's just yeah, no appeal to me uh, of CSU think it would Temple and yeah. South Florida and some of these matchups you would get. Yeah, I don't I don't think it, again, for the, I guess, lovability of college sports, I don't think it would be good. But financially, if, if that were to happen, you better be on the right side of it or you might be in a lot of trouble. We'll get right back to that interview with Kevin, but when you get hurt, Bax and Shanker is here to help. Bax and Shanker wins for Colorado families. They've been helping those who are seriously injured in Colorado for more than 25 years. They're free until they win money in your case. There's no upfront fee to speak with you about your case. No fee while they work on your case and no fee unless they win money for you. They've already won over a billion dollars for their clients and they have more locations than ever. And they serve all of Colorado, including neighborhood offices in Denver, Aurora, Inglewood, and Fort Collins. Backus and Shanker has the strength and power to win your case with more than 30 lawyers and 100 staff. Backus and Shanker helps with all kinds of injury cases when you weren't at fault, car accident, motorcycle, rideshare, pedestrians, trucks. They can even help if you're injured at work. Call Backus and Shanker at 222-2222 to find out if you have a case for free. Backus and Shanker wins. Take on the sun with gear that's built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades and an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. What's awesome is they come with the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you lose or break your pair, even day one, they're going to send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back. 
You can shop the entire collection at the brand new location in the Park Meadows Mall, full stop shop for all things Shady Rays. If you don't love your Shady Rays, exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. No risk when you shop, they always have your back. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself the shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Finally, you guys know we love Breckenridge Brewery over at DNVR, and that's because they have a beer for any occasion. They have been making beer for 33 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making a good product. Try out some of my personal favorites like Avalanche Amber Ale or the beer of the month, Mountain Beach Sour. It's the perfect amount of tartness, the perfect amount of sweetness. It really goes with anything. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. That's enough speculation, I think. I mean, we could do this all day. There's a million scenarios, but the real football is here. And I'm so excited. I don't know. Did you take in the disastrous, beautiful slate that was last night? Watch, uh, mostly watch the Utah-Florida, which is, you know, I, I love, you know, SEC teams never travel. So I guess kudos to them for actually doing it because of what happened. They'll probably never travel again. But I love when we get good, non-con matchups like that and <laughs> not to bring everything back to realignment but i was kind of just chuckling to myself watching that utah setting that utah team being like i was a college student for a couple of years watching that not that team but utah in the mountain west and look at where they are now so it's crazy but but yeah i was able to get a nice nice bit of college vo- football viewing on thursday night do you have a life unlike me, or will you be a sicko and watch Hawaii Stanford tonight? That is a superb question. Uh, I'll probably tune in for a little bit of that. Yep. It's going to be so terrible and, and just perfect. I, I can't wait. But you um, you published some predictions for CSU football, and I, I thought it was a great piece. Go check that out. Go check out everything Kevin does for the Coloradoans. Subscribe, support local journalism. Um, I was right on with a lot of the predictions you had, including Mo Camara having a double-digit sack season, you know, going to a bowl, that type of stuff. Who do you think finishes second in sacks? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, I had Newark Agputh as my breakout player. I'm not sure that's because it's, you know, just sack total alone. Um, gosh, second sacks is a superb question. Man, oh man, oh man. Am I bold enough to go with an interior guy? Could I like I hope you Brady do it. Kelly, that's who Brady, I was gonna go Brady with. Brady Kelly gonna be because I know um I forget if it was Freddie or someone was saying, you know, they've they've kind of turned the heat up on those interior guys. Like, you know, we don't want you to just be space eaters. Like, yeah, that's part of your job, but you know, get in the backfield. I'm gonna go Grady Kelly. I'm I'm it's hard to guess. There's so many dudes on that D line. You know, I could see, you know, someone in like the, you know, a cheetah package type thing getting some, you know, third down numbers, but I'm going to go Grady Kelly. Kind of bold, but that's the point, right? I think he has a potential for a breakout year, you know, to be in the all-conference mix. We'll see that the Mountain West is deep at defensive line, and a lot of these teams are especially deep. CSU, Wyoming, Air Force, where I wonder if some of these guys are going to basically cannibalize each other in terms of stat production and kind of hurt each other in, in terms of recognition, but we'll take the production over the the glory anytime. Yeah, totally. I think CSU's D line could have that impact of the group as a whole be really good, but because of that, you know, chip each other's stats away, which 
yeah, if they're doing that in, in winning ways, I think everyone will be fine. Totally. You have Kobe Johnson leading the squad in rushing, which I think makes a lot of sense, especially given his home run hitting ability, just so quick coming out of that backfield. With Moro back in the picture, do you think that opens up the possibility of redshirting Damian Henderson? I mean, he can play in four games, but he's so explosive. I wonder if they just want to get him on the field anyways. Yeah, I'm going to be, I'm pretty intrigued to see how, how they use him or, or not use him, you know, cause especially KJ Edwards, the Juco transfer had decent camp as well. So yeah, I could see a way where, uh, yeah, you use him in some spots and see how he does. If he forces your hand, you keep rolling. But certainly if you get late in the season and he's appeared in three games, I feel like they'll play him, um, you know, beyond just the red shirt amount. But it's definitely one to watch because you do have, you know, two really good, you know, backs that will, you know, carry the bulk of of the load. Well, and it's so tricky these days because like in the past, you'd want to red shirt guys to save them. But nowadays... If you don't play a guy, they might just leave. Or yeah. even if you do play him in a couple, you could showcase them for somebody, then they redshirt, keep that eligibility and go on to play elsewhere. There's so many factors to it. Yeah, you and Nor- Norvell even said of, you know, we, we don't want to be a farm system. That's not what yeah. we're doing. Um, but that, you know, that's a lot of where, you know, your relationships and stuff come back of, uh, you know, player, coach, trust and understanding of, you know, what the other other side, you know, expects and wants, um, you know, there are going to be transfers, obviously, you know, that's a given these days, but yeah, the, the right balance is tricky to find. I mean, you look at all these young receivers and obviously all of them have talent and potential. They're not all going to be here in a year because surely, you know, one or two are going to be like, well, shoot, I'm ninth in the pecking order and everyone even or above me is my age or younger. Like I'm going to leave. <laughs> Are you a little surprised Makai Fox didn't crack the two deep? There was a lot of reactions to that online, but it kind of goes in line with a lot of what the staff has said, just in terms of those, those guys need more consistency. Yeah. I mean, I'm not surprised from, you know, being at camp and, and practices through spring and everything out. You know, I don't think it means Makai is necessarily never going to impact CSU, but yeah, you have to be consistent. You know, guys ahead of him have taken, you know, Dawson Minigotti just keeps forcing his way onto the field. They can't keep him off because he keeps making plays. Um, and that's basically what you have to do. Again, now that they do have a full receiver room, you have to force your way on the field because there are enough guys uh, that someone will if, if you're not. And that, you know, It's like Jay Norvell has said over and over, sometimes the bench is the best motivator. So, <laughs> so yeah, Mackay, obviously I know is a guy that came in with a lot of you know hype, if you will, but the margins are really thin in college. The difference between, uh, you know, the type of players they're bringing in at receiver, athletically, there aren't huge differences. So it comes down to a lot of those things, consistency of performance, you know, on and off the field, everything. There's a lot that goes into it. So, so yeah, I think um, it's a battle in there to get time, which is exactly what they want. Kind of off of that, I think everybody expects it to be a much more diverse offense, more than just Torrey Horton occasionally, you know, catching a, a bomb. How many guys catch a touchdown for CSU this season? Gosh, that's a good question. I mean, what, there were only like 10 or something touchdown passes last year. So you need a lot more. Uh, Torrey obviously will. Um, I think it's probably a safe bet that Dallin Holker will. Probably a safe bet that JRS will. 
um, at least a running back. I'm just going to call it broadly one right yeah. now. Um, I think another tight end, probably Vince Brown, uh, does. And then certainly one, I'm going to say six. Six. It could be more. That feels maybe not enough, but until, again, until we see it, you know, the offense fully firing, um, I could see it being heavily dominated in the Tory JRS Dallin group and then a couple spare ones spread around. It's probably going to be more than six, but that's what I'm going to say right now. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things with this team that on paper, you you know, you can see it really working out. And in theory, this group should be pretty decent, at least compared to what we saw last year. I'm not saying they're going to be the, the best offense in the country or anything, but I don't know. We, we've all been through this a million times. I think everybody's still kind of in wait and see mode. Yeah, I got to see it. I mean, yeah, there's there's a lot that I like. I mean, I picked Lewis Brown as my offensive breakout player. Um, you know, so there are pieces there. But yeah, just need to put it all together and see it function because, you know, we haven't seen that yet. You spotlighted the the road games being very pivotal, uh, being a very pivotal, being stuttering all over the place today. Um, I agree. Just this home slate's really challenging. These road games are tough, but they feel winnable in terms of CU, MTSU, UNLV, Utah State. I think you have to have a winning get- record in those games. Do the Rams have a winning record on the road? this year i think they have to to make a bowl game yeah i think they probably have to i mean you kind of have to win at hawaii um you know of unlv utah state mtsu and cu you probably need minimum two of those so i think at worst csu needs to split on the road you know if they're gonna go to a bowl um because yeah the almost the whole road slate is kind of games like that where it's like well i could see how they could win but I can also see how they could lose. Um, very toss-up, tricky game. So, so yeah, I think um, I think CSU has to be good on the road, and that's where having good defense can can come in pretty handy, can it? And we saw what they did in Nevada. Yeah, no kidding. All right, last one before we let you go. I really appreciate you giving us some of your time. I know you got a ton going on with it being Week One. Does CSU win a local rivalry game this year? I went out on a limb and I said they're going to take two out of three versus CU Wyoming Air Force. Again, that's the which, boldest which, prediction. Which I two? Can. Which two? I think it's CU and Wyoming. Yeah, I again, Air Force especially is one of those that like eh, I'm going to need to see them actually stop the option before. Even Sunny struggled with Air Force. That's just a yeah. program that scares me. I guess we'll see how the cut block rules impact them in terms mm-hmm. of some of the wonky stuff they do. But I don't know. I just Wyoming, obviously, is going to be tough. They'll run the football. Defensively, they're going to punch you in the face. I just have a hard time seeing that offense keep up with some of the other top teams in the league. And CU, I mean, I guess we'll we'll all know a lot more how this team looks in, in about 24 hours. But yeah. I don't know. We covered a team in transition and saw what that process is like. I just like this spot for CSU, especially with it being after Nebraska. I think they're going to put all their eggs in that basket. And whether they win or lose, that's just such an emotional investment. It it feels like peak letdown opportunity and kind of overlooking the school that they really kind of expect to run all over. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think I agree with that. And not to dive too deep into like Air Force analysis, you know, when that's like months away. But 
Uh, Air Force is always hard enough. And then with the new clock rules, my God, you had better not get behind on Air Force or they might have a possession that kills the entire game. Like, obviously, I'm being dramatic there, but the clock rules really favor a, a school like Air Force. So you cannot get behind. Uh, but yeah, does CSU win one of those three trophy games or CSU win one of the three trophy games? Yes, I think I, I'm with you. That's why I was thinking CU. I think that's the most likely of them. Uh, but yeah, I think CSU will win one uh, for the first time in 100 years. <laughs> it's been 84 years, Kevin. Yeah. yeah. That that 2020, obviously important, very important for those players, but still feels a little hollow considering the empty stadium. And I think, I think the fact that no one liked that coach. Uh, that that won it. So I CSU would really like to win one in front of fans. That's for sure. And and yeah, I think CSU gets one of the trophies this year. That's half the appeal, man. Is the the celebration and everything that goes into college football and makes it special. It's more than the NFL. It's about the community. And like when the team wins, it feels like your entire town wins. Yeah, especially you know, two of those three are on the road for CSU this year. So like certainly, if you if you win the Centennial Cup in Boulder. Oof, they will they will enjoy that one. And likewise, if you were win the boot, obviously we've seen the flip side of how much it, Wyoming enjoyed uh, parading it around Canvas Stadium. CSU would be very happy to do that uh, up in Laramie. So in some way, obviously it's really cool to win those anytime and at home. But I think there's a little extra kick if you win one on the road. Especially this year and just especially the history I'm going to let you get going. Uh, last thing, CSU 11-point underdogs. Do they cover against Washington State? Yeah, I, I made my, I guess, official score prediction on, on Brady Hole's show yesterday. I said, Washington State 27-20. I think it's going to be a game. Um, I do think it's winnable, but again, I just need to see it in action. So I'll pick Washington State to win, but CSU to cover. That'd be a great start. I think that'd be a positive indication this thing's going in the right direction. Yep, I think uh, CSU doesn't have to win to keep fans energized, but it can't look like last year. Probably never make it when you listening to that right now. I said we on there.